1: Lenin? Did anyone ever hear of Lenin? He said, "The vote counter is far more important than the candidate." Has anyone ever heard that's Lenin? Lenin, as they say, as they say in Russia.
2: Yeah. <laughs> why does? alright? so if he knows how to say it, why is he also calling it
3: Lenin? <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> I mean, so based. He's it's too the same based. reason why half the time, like. I've said this before, but the Marxists will say it this way. Like, pretentious people will just be having a normal conversation in English about, you know, Soviet history or whatever. Then they'll be like, uh, Bolshevik Party, blah, blah, blah. Lenin.
2: Lenin. That reminds me of Lenin's fell swoop into power at the Third Party Congress.
0: It just bothers me when people do stuff like that. Like, when, uh, like, really academic history and archaeology and anthropology people say an historical like they use yeah uh-huh. dude an, like it's, they're about to say a, like a nav what do you call it Vow. <laughs> the word a is vowel. 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 <laughs> word. Yeah. fucking college people are
2: pissing me off I tell you um, trying to put an and before an H no ever since Trump got it, back from thing. his study abroad in Spain he's been different <laughs> so if he's trying do, that top off
3: if you do uh, incorrect grammar confidently enough, it makes it sound like you are intelligence.
0: Well, it didn't you know work I mean? for Trump, man. Although he did sound cool as shit. I guess he did kind of sound like he could be sitting around a coffee shop planning the revolution <laughs> with us. <laughs> so this Lenin guy, you know, like he just had a weird weekend and uh, yeah. joined the... To DLC destroy the state,
2: we must seize the state. <laughs> it's the next step. They get Stein. back in. Stalin, the Stalin. man of steel, Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little Yosef. Always starting a fight. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hello, Lenin. We are your number one Donald Trump fan podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it's like, but okay, so aside
2: from the fact that he's like saying
0: it like that. Why is he quoting Lennon? <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's such an odd thing to be <laughs> happening. To be in the- I, it's yeah,
2: just because well, he that- wants to talk about election fraud some more and not that many people have quotes on it, I think. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the, the reason this uh, went viral is it was from a uh, Barry Loudermilk Stan account who is a Republican congressman. Uh, but apparently this account is backing DeSantis, In the race, even though I I need to uh,
2: interrupt you here, Anders, we need to have uh an intervention on names in this country. (laughs) Barry Loudermilk is a person you can read about. We're at like improv 102 level celebrity gossip. I found this uh, the uh, Spotify advertisement with this woman Madison
3: Beer. Oh, I saw her as well. My mm. guess is that, in Loudermilk's case, he's from Georgia. I would I rather have a l-
0: glass of beer than a glass of Loudermilk, i tell you that much. <laughs> there you go. Sounds like it would upset my GERD that I don't have.
2: <laughs> oh, I can't I think lie in, down. I've had too much Madison beer.
3: <laughs> I think in this case, this guy, his family uh, probably owned slaves, and right when Reconstruction started, they had to ditch the name because they were going to get, like, you know, their property seized or something, or there's some legal problem so they changed to louder milk for some crazy reason um and they'll never suspect the louder milk
0: family owned slaves (laughs) let's name ourselves after a caucasian drink milk
2: the cops are still out there looking for a softer spoken milk
3: going to fly neatly under the radar oh man But this guy so he he's Apparently, if you go back now, he has uh, 140 followers after this tweet blew up. But uh, just a few days ago, he was um, talking about how he was blocked with only 77 followers by Carrie Lake, uh, who's a, you know, lunatic former Republican nominee for Arizona governor, uh, which is weird because it's this strange uh, in-between area where he's like castigating Trump for not supporting um banning trans people in sports enough or something like that, but at the same time is mocking Trump for denying the outcome of 2020. Uh, And the whole reason this thing went viral is because he's look at this, Trump is supporting a communist tyrant. He's a
2: quack, folks. I think this guy's probably Barry (laughs) Milk.
3: I think this is probably, this could be a, a fake account from the DeSantis people trying to, like, test the waters to see if they can get in any anti-Trump. Because, like, if you're, you know, if you hate Trump and you're a Republican, you're probably not thrilled with all these other, like, lunatic things that DeSantis wants to do. So, I don't know. Is DeSantis yeah, it's even definitely
2: see. running? He, I keep seeing videos of him having breakdowns on camera, like, every other day at this point, where someone just asks him something like, why do you have 4% in the polls? And he'll just be like, shut up! <laughs> I'm on vacation. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. That person could be real or not. I mean, it, what you said makes entire sense, but also they are all kind of free. Like, do they like Trump right now? Do they hate him? Do they think he's a cuck because J six or because he's not uh doing all the crazy shit that they wanted him to do? Who knows?
2: They're all. I think it's place. a split. It's a split because he's literally the only man in the country who, like, moves and inspires their Republican base, but at the same time, because he's already been president, they know that they don't want him to do all of his Donald Trump stuff. (laughs) So it's like a love-hate relationship kind of thing. Like, the establishment knows for sure, like, it probably won't be worth the damage to get their man back in again. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But do they, do they think they're going to be able to win at any other point after this? Because, like, I remember after, you know, 10 years ago, there was that whole autopsy they did after the 2012 election. It was like, all right, you know, old white people are dying. We got to branch out. Let's try. And then they just immediately gave up on that. And Trump was able to catch fire and win in this, like, very specific set of circumstances that maybe might, be able to. You might say ahead. that he jumped the line
0: in the Mm. primary you know as one does he shake shake shaked his like a senora all the way to the front of the primary all those years ago
2: i was just about to say that
0: (laughs) that's why i said you might say it it's very common thing for people to say speaking of that um I wanted to elaborate on something we talked about on the bonus episode uh, which is a bunch of cool shit that Harry Belafonte apparently did that I didn't really know about until he died the other day so I've been reading from a thread by someone named Michael Harriet on Twitter
2: we've been Top reading 10. your email response uh, feedback of the podcast and yes it is a valid criticism we do not often enough cover Harry Belafonte and this week we're gonna, we're gonna change that we're gonna Get knee-deep into Belafonte Town.
0: It feels good to me. He was on The Simpsons. He's cool as hell. I didn't know he was on The Simpsons. I think he was in the... Wait. No. No, I almost canceled myself. <gasps> <laughs> I, Who did you I mixed him, about him up with Tito Puente for a minute. Uh, oh uh, Man, how
2: embarrassing. Don't There's scare me. <laughs> egg on my face at the cocktail party. Um, you know, he Tito didn't Puente. even... didn't even know Harry Belafonte wasn't in The (laughs) Simpsons.
3: You know, that's the problem with serving eggs at cocktail parties. It's always gonna wind up on somebody's face. Yeah, they get all... Well, some of the cocktails I like
0: have eggs in them, which... They go in your face after that, you know?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I I guess they go in your face when you're eating eggs. Normal.
2: Eggs are always going in your face. Number if 10, Belafonte it.
0: fact. There was a time that, uh, that time when he hopped a plane with a bag stuffed with $70,000 and dodged the Ku Klux Klan to save the Mississippi Freedom Summer.
2: Crazy. What? There's an... Nice. <laughs> what does that mean? He saved the Mississippi Freedom Summer? I don't know, and
3: I'm not well, going he to was, elaborate. I believe it. he was bringing money into the South to fund them. And, of course, you know, the KKK, the police were on watch for stuff like that. So we got it. I believe that's what's...
2: But unfortunately, scene. due to how the police worked back then, they were actually given a poster of Tito Puente. Yeah,
0: well, they wouldn't know the difference.
2: <laughs> and so they couldn't find him. <laughs> um,
0: Tito Puente was on the Who Shot Mr. Birds episode, and he was one of the, uh, the suspects. Oh, it's another cool thing he did. But he has
2: not We'll have, have to wait till he, he dies.
0: dies. <laughs> <laughs> Is he alive? No one email us and let us know.
2: Do not email us.
0: There was the fact that because he was cool with the black power leaders and the nonviolent resistance advocates, his apartment was basically the spot where civil rights leaders settled their beefs. Interesting, right?
3: There. uh Martin Luther King would stay at his apartment in the 60s in New York when he was visiting, and there was actually a dispute recently between Harry Belafonte and MLK's kids over property because, you know, King would have to travel and stay at different places around the country, so they're like, well, who really owns this, you know, set of property, and eventually Belafonte won the the suit. The set up roommate dispute. Basically, yeah, it's complicated, but...
2: Harry Belafonte said, fuck those kids. Wait, (laughs) wait, end all this senseless violence, Way,
0: Let's go (laughs) to Harry's place and hash it out. (laughs) He sits down, he brings everyone iced tea, and then we all learn a lesson. (laughs) Imagine he's like the Mr. Belvedere of the whole situation. Okay, number seven. Or when a white woman kissed him on the cheek at Selma, at the Selma to Montgomery march, which made white people so mad that networks stopped the broadcast, which made black people so mad that networks continued, which made white people so mad that KKK murdered a white woman and a black guy. Wow, oh, that's insane. <laughs> you
2: know what? Now we're both down one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in chess. He was, yeah, there was pawn a... Pawn for a pawn. He had a lot of, uh, you know, roles where he would play opposite a white woman or sing with uh, white women, and um, people didn't like that. There was a movie where it was just, like, suggested in the 50s that there's a little romance going on, and people were furious. Uh, and also, he, one of his first wives was a, a white woman, and, and wouldn't you know, at the time, uh, a lot of people of different backgrounds were upset about that, but he kept trucking. Man, his love crazy. was too powerful. Anders, did you do you just know
0: all this stuff or did you read this thread?
3: No, I I've, I've been reading up on him and I also I've I've been a I've been a fan of the Belafonte. Uh what's his nickname? The uh um, The Belafonte. The Belafonte. It's
2: the Belafonte. <laughs> they couldn't think of something better.
3: <laughs> uh um. but Hari Kanda Belafonte. Um he, I did watch a documentary about him last night, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Sing your song. Leftists recommend.
2: owe the, to themselves to educate themselves on Harry Belafonte. Learn his tactics. Learn Harry. how he s- seeked power
3: through Belafonte. his song,
2: Day O, parentheses, The Banana Boat Song.
3: Interesting <laughs> fact about that song. It's actually about like the uh, struggle of banana boat workers it was like a very like a lot of he kind of hit it big with uh calypso music as was was called at the time um which was often based on working class life and the banana boat song was about like the travails of working on a banana boat which could be very uh miserable and uh, another interesting fact the uh terriers did a cover of this song, because, you know, back then, like, one person does a song, and then, oh, yeah, my friend's gonna cover it, and we're all gonna be cool with it. Uh, The Terriers, one of the members who sang this song was Alan Arkin. Oh, my God. Who's that? (laughs) Alan Arkin, like the, you know, the grandpa from Little Miss Sunshine. Oh. He was singing Banana Boat songs, apparently, which I would love to... I mean, you can hear it, but it's, it's a little hard to decipher the Arkin voice in there. I mean, he was a brilliant uh, performer and actor as well. That's crazy. Well, that actually totally tracks. I mean, you know,
0: I is joking, but it's, it makes sense that all that's, there's political background, all that music.
2: When you got a uh, hit, you got to let Arkin spit on it. <laughs> you got to let him drop ooh. a few bars on the banana boat song.
0: Number six, Belafonte was so paranoid about being spied on and mistrusting women that he went to therapy. He eventually hired his therapist's husband, who managed Frank Sinatra, as his manager. His paranoia eventually made him fire them both. I don't know if that's a cool fact about him, but that is an interesting story thread that I'm reading from. <laughs> well,
3: but the, according to the documentary, the husband actually was a spook. Like he had CIA connections and shit and was like planted by the government. That's what and they the other
2: said. thing too is back then you couldn't trust women because they were shiftier <laughs> They wore yeah. long dresses and they could
3: sneak silently in and out of rooms. He said it uh, but uh, I, I remember from the documentary that the last name that they gave to this guy, who was again probably a CIA asset, was Kennedy, so Belafonte would trust him because he had he was like a friend of the Kennedy family yeah. uh, so. It was a way to get in his good graces, but he learned it was all a sham. I mean,
0: if the guy was managing Frank Sinatra, that is not surprising that he was a spook.
3: Yeah. I mean, this the- is... Yeah, this is around the time like the FBI was trying to get like MLK to kill himself. There was COINTELPRO. Like, they're this they were all over the the civil rights movement. And uh, yeah,
0: they're also working like pretty clearly at this point in history with the mob on like right. Cuba stuff and shit. Yeah, and you know, old Frankie Blue Eyes. Where does he come from?
2: I like the uh, the technique of just naming him the last name of one of your friends. Like, if the government was trying to get to me by planting my new manager, Anders Lee, into (laughs) my life, so I I know to trust him with my entire heart.
0: There's, like, all of a sudden a fourth member of this podcast, and he's just a white guy named Obama.
2: (laughs) We all trust him.
3: (laughs) He's Irish. That's what I... I honestly wondered, uh, when Obama was president, I wondered, like, are any, like, white... Liberals right now just naming their children Barack. You can, like Barack. you can do
2: Barry. You can do Barry.
3: Barry's got to be happen. short for something.
0: The amount of Khaleesi's that were named from Game of Thrones, there's got to be like one or two Barocks out there. Yeah. You know? Uh, number five, there was a time that Harry Belafonte got the Smothers Brothers kicked off TV. Oh, yeah. So this story is how gangsta were the Smothers Brothers. They once invited on Harry Belafonte to perform. I wish I could know how it feels to be free. As he sang the lyrics, don't stop the carnival. They played clips of cops and soldiers beating up civil rights and Vietnam protesters. CBS deleted the footage.
3: Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they. So then this was the footage of the the Chicago DNC where there were, of course, riots in 68. And uh, this is like right before the election. Uh, And funny, it's funny how this wound up. The Smothers Brothers are named Tom and Dick. And so they're like, we're Tom and Dick. And then Harry Belafonte comes in and says, and I'm Harry. Um, Oh, oh, uh,
2: now that's
3: funny. Get on my banana boat. (laughs) But less funny is CBS not only cut this footage, but replaced it with a Nixon ad. So like complete reversal of what they were trying to do.
2: I'm against that.
3: (laughs) Another
0: dick. Tricky dick. (laughs) Number four. Actually, he got a lot of people kicked off TV. There was the car manufacturer who lost his job because he was mad that a white woman touched Harry Belafonte's arm. Man, it must have been terrible to be a black dude in the 60s, but also people would get fired if a white woman touched your arm. That's got to make you feel pretty powerful. Yeah, wow. It's a strict no touching policy. He's dressed like a Jedi in this photo. You can't see it, but it's very it's he looks so powerful. Don't touch his arm. Doesn't he always Your husband will get fired <laughs> by the force. Number three, Harry Belafonte was the one who bailed out MLK in Birmingham when he was when he wrote the infamous letter from Birmingham Jail condemning white moderates. He also funded the Freedom Rides. This is I feel like I'm learning like about like um uh Forrest Gump or something right now. I do not know he was mm. in all these stories.
3: Yeah, I mean he it, it it's interesting how much he like dedicated his life cuz he wanted to be an actor. Uh he, you know, saw uh Sydney Poitier and Paul Robeson performing in New York in the in the 40s it was like I want to do that. And he was able to do that to an extent and then music uh became his his real Career, but this whole time, like he was uh, radicalized actually during World War II uh, by his fellow black servicemen in the Navy, who showed him uh, W.E.B. Du Bois uh, writings, and he sort of became political by with that, and uh, it became like it was in many ways a bigger part of his life than his artistry was just participating in these movements, which wasn't always fun. Like he really sacrificed a lot,
2: and he got an egot.
3: You got winner, indeed. Wow. One
2: of the very few. And that is the power of the immortal science of (laughs) Marxism-Leninism coursing through Harry Belafonte's veins. Yeah, it's
0: part of the Vanguard
2: thing. The (laughs) Emmy contrasts with the Oscar as the Grammy contrasts with the Tony.
0: Number two, Belafonte never took credit for the idea alone, but he helped push the idea of sending white kids down to Mississippi for Freedom Summer and the Freedom Rides, which he helped fund. One of those was John C. Raines, a white minister who was a Freedom Rider at Freedom Summer. Um, Raines was just an advocate for peace until he was arrested on the Freedom Rides. Then a white kid just like him was murdered during the during Freedom Summer. Then Viola Luizo, that's the woman who got uh, murdered earlier in that third story. <laughs> then Jesus white Christ. terrorists in selma killed james reeb a minister like Rains. he was radicalized from all this that's fucking gnarly
2: it's a bunch of murder in a row that can radicalize a person for sure yeah yeah
0: um let's see on march 8th ni- 1971 when belafonte was watching the Ali fraser fight Rains and his oh this is still that guy reigns and his friends broke into the fbi office in Media, Pennsylvania, and stole a bunch of fines. That's pretty cool. Uh, The files they uh, stole were the first solid evidence of COINTELPRO.
2: Damn. That's awesome, man. That's like impossible to do now. Yeah. It's how we know about Gary Rowe. Uh, Rowe
0: was a Klansman and a paid FBI informant who probably participated in the 16th Street Baptist uh, bombing the attack on the Freedom Riders, the murder of Viola Luizzo, among other things. It's how we know the FBI was spying on King, the Black Panthers, and the civil rights movement. It's how we know the FBI... Uh, I don't, this has got to be a typo. She willed Fred Hampton and Marcus Garvey and...
2: Every- yeah, the FBI <laughs> is a woman. <laughs> this is, Understand this why just- you didn't trust them yet? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, how did they do it? Well, someone infiltrated the inner circle of civil rights leaders from every generation and was reporting it back to the CIA and the FBI. Then there was a woman who could get regular citizens to tell her the biggest secrets. Well, it turns out, and this is number one, the therapist and her husband were spies. Wow. So they buried oh the Oh my God. J. Richard Kennedy was one of the main sources for the FBI, and holy shit, hold on. In parentheses,
2: until he started a cult. Uh, <laughs> How many lists do I gotta read to get this full story? Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't
0: read this beforehand, because we're really busy over here, but um, apparently he started a fucking cult. What um, kind of
3: cult are we talking? Religious? Self-help?
0: I, I don't know. I'm going to have to dig into this, and we'll talk about it later. Um, was was anyway, this
3: pour one Ron Hubbard?
0: That'd be cool. I don't think so, though. Poor one out for Harry Belafonte. If anything, he was in Beetlejuice. His song is at the end of Beetlejuice when everyone's, when, uh, what's-her-face is floating.
2: He was cool. also in is PB&J Otter in their famous episode, The Ice Moose, 1999. Wait, really? Are you That's what it says. From Wikipedia. What a sweet man.
3: <laughs> no. He did, a lot of, <laughs> he did do a lot of children's entertainment. He would sing songs on uh, Sesame Street uh, and stuff. He the um, last role was actually in Black Klansman, where he played a, a judge. Um, oh mm. shit! I saw yeah. that. But he's uh, an interesting example. Somebody who like really stayed true to like the core of the civil rights movement from the '60s, which was also, was you know like Uh, a class-based movement in many ways, and he um, kept, you know, staying active about that stuff. He really, uh, there's an interesting part in the documentary where he was involved in the anti-apartheid movement, um, and once Nelson Mandela was freed and then elected, he was invited to a ceremony at the White House to um, celebrate Mandela's election, but refused to go because of the shit Clinton was doing at the time in Haiti. So he wasn't afraid to stick it to the man, even if they were Democrats, including there's a meeting with um, Obama he had. And I remember watching this as a, a young man in, in the Obama administration on Democracy Now! where he, he relayed this tidbit where he was um, helping out Obama on the campaign in 2008. And Obama was like giving these speeches before Wall Street uh, and Belafonte and Cornell West at the time were very critical of him Uh, even during the campaign for being wishy-washy on issues of poverty and social injustice. And uh, Obama's like, when are you you guys going to cut me some slack? And Belafonte comes back and says, well, what makes you think we haven't?
2: Uh, And I would love to do
3: a Belafonte impression, but that would be disrespectful. But (laughs) at the end of his life, his voice was so... uh, it was a beautiful voice, but he had been doing so much singing over the years mm. that it was an old man's voice. And it was sometimes when he talked, it sounded like two or three voices were happening at the same time, but they were, like, it's, harmonizing with each other in a very beautiful wow. way.
2: It's too bad we can't get a live impression of that. I did find it,
0: the cult thing. This is um,
2: Kennedy. <laughs> uh, we'll have spanner. to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry.
0: Uh, sign a up shame. for our Patreon to hear it. <laughs> all of the canceled
2: yeah it's just Jake interviewing Harry Belafonte on his last days (laughs)
0: but it's just me it's like a one man show type thing Um, so this is Kennedy his handler the guy who managed uh, Sinatra this is not Harry Belafonte he did not do this in the 1970s he studied psychotherapy and opened Center for Human Problems Incorporated in Tarzana Patients and a former therapist at the center claimed Kennedy did not believe licenses to practice psychotherapy were necessary, but withheld the lack of licenses of some of the providers from the patients. They claimed under Kennedy's direction, patients were taught that they could never leave because they would become worse than when they had started and remaining was Necessary to continually evolve and live to be over 100. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> they claimed Kennedy said he was going to live to be 150. Patients claimed they were told to donate monies. In ca- in one case, even s- uh, sell a business to do so. To make sure the center could pay its bills. So Kennedy could write a book on how to save mankind. The therapy, it was claimed, would prevent sickness. The theory included uh parents they claimed were the cause of all illness and to be well a person should disconnect from his or her parents paul morant's wow. an attorney specialist in cults and brainwashing cases sued on behalf of two former patients of the case and it was settled in 1990 the health department investigated and the center was closed not long before kennedy's death that is a
3: whole ass cult yeah <laughs> It's interesting that they, they cut it kind of reasonably, because a lot of occults will be like, you'll live till a thousand. You'll live, you know, sometimes 50,000 years, and they're like, it's actually sort of a realistic goal. You know, it's, it's achievable. It's unlikely. But uh, they, that's how they suck people in, I guess.
0: Yeah, you can live to be 100. Yeah. Although 150, yeah, he was completely bullshitting. So he had the Messiah complex thing going on about being 150.
2: I think being over 100 would be really satisfying in its own way, where you kind of change from being an animal into a plant in that you just, (laughs) like, are very... You have high vibrations. You don't don't have as much mobility anymore, but you really suck the sun in. Hey, Harry
3: Belafonte, 96. He came close. Came close but no
2: cigar, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) There's one award you won't be getting.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Have
0: you ever seen the video of that, uh, like, the oldest person on Earth who's, like, a Tibetan monk or some shit? Just looks like a corpse. Yeah, because
2: he he doesn't move. He's operating in the the astral plane now.
0: Yeah, I'd fucking rather die at that point, dude. I don't want to just be able to walk a a corpse that doesn't walk.
2: bro. See, that's what you think, but your astral tiger is bounding the, the safari zone of the netherworld.
0: If I could be put in that gamer bed when I'm that old, I think maybe I'd be okay. The one that has, like, a TV yeah. kind of built into it and shit. A little keyboard thing.
2: Yeah, put me um, in the Matrix pod.
0: Let's break down some of these cult points. This is interesting. So, he doesn't believe in licenses for therapies. So, he he doesn't... Like, he keeps secret the fact that about 50-50 chance, whoever you're getting therapy from, they don't have a license But some of his people do, so it's not like he's a hard line, no licenses here, that's bad. He just wants it to be ambiguous whether or not anyone actually got their degree. Okay. Um, This is, what this is like the 70s. This is well after uh, Scientology, like, started. Well, I guess it's like adjacent to all that shit. Competition
2: is what makes this country thrive, Jake.
0: (laughs) Um, He's writing a book on how to save mankind. Honestly, he's really just ripping off L. Ron Hubbard here. Um, But the parents thing. The the cause of all illness is your parents.
3: That's Mm.
2: unique, and you have to hand it to him for that. Sorry. You got to hand it to him.
3: In a way, it's true. Because (laughs) you do... They pass down g- genetics, and those genetics can steer you wrong. They can give you diseases. <laughs> genetics.
2: Uh-oh, lupus. I've been steered wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I mean, you're alive to begin with because of your parents. So on some level, anything that happens is because of them. Check, right. mate. Check and mate. Hmm. Well, that's Harry Belafonte and his crazy-ass... CIA handler. What an interesting story. FBI? CIA?
2: CIA. FBI. Threat. Deep State, we call them. One of the two. <laughs> Some guys in glasses. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need to know?
0: Um, what the hell else is going on? We really, man, if you like our show, you got to listen to that last episode we did because we really covered everything that happened this week.
3: Yeah, There's it bad. seemed like uh, the news was never going to end. And then it did. Then it did, and now it's time
0: to do the other episode we do this week, and nothing has happened.
3: That's like a parable
2: about covering too much of the news. The turtle who covered too much of the news and then
3: had no news to recap later. (laughs) Yeah, we really should have saved the uh, Sean McElwee exclusive for this, but uh, well, not an exclusive, but an interesting article. (laughs) You'll have to tackle that on the bonus. Um, Do we have the clip, though, of the city council... Debate in Philadelphia that's been making.
2: I have that pulled up. Next question is for you. You also will have two minutes to respond. You've been endorsed by the Working Families Party, and in the distant past, you did have ties with the Communist Party. How will you balance the needs of low income and working families with those of the middle and higher income residents who live in the 8th District?
1: Um, so let me just say, I registered as a Democrat at the age of 18 to vote for Jesse Jackson. I was incredibly, uh, excited about that election. Um, and I have, I'm a registered Democrat. Now I'm running as a Democrat. I have mobilized thousands and thousands and thousands of voters over 25 years, uh, to elect Democratic candidates. Um, I joined the Young Communist League at a, at an early age, 21. Um, because, uh, I grew up in Germantown during the Rizzo era. I had seen, um, you know, my friends and their older brothers, uh, harassed and beaten by police, um, you know, and we saw the Rodney King verdict, um, and what that meant for, for me. And, and, you know, the young communist league was out in the community and was organizing for the first civilian police review board in the city. Um and I was inspired by Angela Davis, I was inspired by W. B. Du Bois, I was inspired by Paul Robeson. Um, and uh and, and that led me to that work. Um and for the past twenty-four years I've been a union organizer. Um and you know, I haven't been to a party meeting in more than fifteen years, um, but I'm very proud of that history, and we have a proud history of that in this country, because you know, the communists in this country led the fight against lynching. The communists led the fight for unemployment insurance, Social Security. Um, and so there's a proud history of that in this country. And I don't shy away from that. I'm proud of it. Um. Thank you. Can I, can I, and if you could hold your applause, please hold your applause. Please hold your
2: applause. Hold your applause. Oh, no, they're clapping for him. Oh, yeah, they're <laughs> oh, trying to get him to start. It's face. too powerful.
0: That was pretty based. I get it. I'm into it. Channeling Lenin. There. He didn't say Lenin enough, but um, maybe Trump saw that and then he like did some Googling. Mm. That's how he ended up talking about Lenin.
2: Yeah, he googled how to get claps and then Lennon comes up.
0: (laughs) I this honestly in like a Seinfeldian plot sense makes total sense, A to B to C. Trump's in the audience. And then the next thing you know, he's on stage and he's like, Folks, the means of production he's like, you know, day one shit. And uh people are not clapping. <laughs> or the wrong people are clapping.
3: We're clapping. I don't know. Yeah, he's so it's, <laughs> it's For
2: Philadelphia City Council.
3: Yes. Uh yeah, he's running in the eighth district against uh Cindy Bass, who is um has a uh I think a checkered record you could say she uh it's it's a divided Uh, district, it sounds like, and and from the question. And I like how he completely evaded this point wisely. She was like, how are you going to represent the rich people in this area? And he's just like, nope, (laughs) I'm not touching that Uh, because I'm not because they get enough representation already from Cindy Bass, who uh, isn't getting enough resources to the uh, poorer parts of the Eighth district. Um, She also appointed a board to the neighborhood special services district, who was later convicted of embezzlement. uh, It is also responsible for bringing in out of town developers to restore the YMCA. And they just have done a shitty job uh, um, and uh, tried to ban daycare centers. Um, So, I don't know. I think he could I think he could pull this off. We'll see. But it's it's, it is interesting that he's not running from the the communist stuff. He's like, yeah, that's a part of my life. And um, I stand by it. I stand by the work they did because he's right. Like, uh, you know, you go back to the popular front where Harry Harry Belafonte was getting his his legs with uh, organizing and getting politicized. Uh, The communists were a major player in uh, the civil rights movement in the United States.
0: I feel like she shoehorned in the communist part of that. Like, it had nothing to do with the question. She was just Uh like, you were a communist. You have a background in the Communist Party. How will you prevent water profiteering in the next fiscal quarter or whatever? (laughs) Well,
2: I think, like, 30 years ago, throwing that in at all would have really shaken uh, your opponent enough that uh, they're on the back foot. But now, you know, in, in, in this moment with the uh, Overton window shifted so far, you can be things like a former communist member. And if you're an active politician, you're willing to reach across the aisle. You can fight for communism and do things like ban daycare because no one knows what those kids are up to. No one knows what they're doing over there. And honestly, sometimes they act in a way that is as distrustful as women. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Alex That's right. I think I think babies are as sneaky as women.
3: <laughs> Wait, did I miss something? Is is this the same guy banning daycares? No. The woman he is running to unseat has tried to ban daycare. Uh, okay, like like publicly funded uh daycare in Philadelphia.
2: Man, that's a gotcha. great... I think more politicians should run on banning daycare. Like the... uh, anti-baby is a very... very <laughs> position <take>. They're loud! <laughs> Ugh, crotch spawn! Let's get rid of them! They're loud. Yeah, the, you don't know have f- vote for that person. As uh, the internet age continues, we will see a plethora of more Reddit-based candidates as time moves on, <laughs> and anti-baby uh, agendas will disperse themselves throughout the electorate. Yeah, the part
0: where you, where you of your campaign where you go out
2: and uh, shake
0: hands and kiss babies—they don't kiss the babies <laughs> at all. I, mean, <laughs> I roast them.
3: I think the reason she's trying to do it is honestly because of babies crying, because it's like a zoning Ugh. issue. She thinks there's like an oversaturation of daycare centers in her district, and uh, she's yeah, she's probably getting complaints from the old affluent people that they're hearing babies cry too much.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the Reddit anti-birth perspective, and she ran as an R Trees candidate, so she introduces herself as an ant. She shows you pictures of tie dye and says, "Do you see the ship?"
3: That's what she's bringing to the table. Do you see the guy that got k- kicked off an airplane for like yelling at a baby for crying?
2: I did see that.
3: <laughs> they kicked off the wrong
0: person. <laughs> an anti-natalist.
3: <laughs> Uh, what well, do we want to show the other Philadelphia clip? It Things are heating up in. Uh, things are heating up! The city of brotherly love. The city of babyly
0: love, as they call the it. The city of babyly love. Uh, Philadelphia, a city that sounds a lot like pedophilia. <laughs> That's really <laughs> fucked
2: up. It sounds a little like pedophilia.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I had never put those two together before you just said that. I, mean, I guess they both have
2: peas.
0: Philadelphia's pedophilia spelled backwards. It's, don't look into it. Don't look into Almost it. the same word. the streets you. of pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bruce, no. All
2: right. Huh? <laughs> the streets of pedophilia.
3: I'm saying Bruce, no. Bruce, don't
2: sing. Don't sing
3: about that. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's a a crime. I thought you said
0: Bruce Snow. I'm confused. Okay.
3: So this is a Philadelphia mayoral debate for the Democratic nomination. There's a guy, Jeff Brown, who's a grocery store magnate, uh, who's very close to basically being a Republican. But he's, he's kind of the Paul Vallis of this race. And he is being asked about the garbage situation because there is a suburb of Philadelphia named Chester. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, not all suburbs are created equal. This one happens to have a lot of African-American residents and Philadelphia keeps dumping its trash on Chester. So Jeff Brown is asked, what are you going to do about this situation as mayor? Um, I, I really don't. I'm not sure because
1: I'd ha- I would bid it out, but I'm not sure if that changes it or not. Um, but Chester Strong is Chester. Starter. I'm worried about Philadelphians and how, and how their lives are. And so what will come first to me is what would be best for my Philadelphians.
2: So you don't care about Chester?
1: I the, do the, care. The trash that's coming from Philadelphia. I do care is, for them if I'm the mayor. Is, wow. I work for Philadelphia. Nope. And the trash has to go somewhere. And whoever gets it is going to be unhappy
2: with it.
3: Well, that's, that's not really <laughs> the wow. answer. But you
2: know, can- Tripling down. Wait. <laughs> I'm gonna pour trash on their ass. <laughs> you wanna know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take the trash
3: and I'm turning it upside down.
0: Is Chester not a suburb of Philadelphia? Is that what he's saying? There's like a Philadelphia.
3: Yes, a, a suburb city. is a
2: different yeah, it's a different I si- I I can't believe you're allowed to do that. Mayo ass out there in the suburbs. <laughs> I'm a city. I mean he would
3: just he could easily win this outright if he just said, "We're going to send it to New York. Yeah. They're going to dump yeah. that on New York City, right on the." <laughs> Even Empire though it State doesn't building.
2: make any sense, you could say whatever you want. You didn't have to uh, triple down that you're going to pour <laughs> trash on the neighboring. Town. <laughs> well, I think if it that's got to
0: be illegal, right? I mean, he's onto something strategy wise. If it was the neighboring town, like if it was another place, but that's still like part of the place
3: he's trying yeah, to Yeah, people cover, consider right? No, it's a different city. It's a suburb <laughs> of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. That it's a separate city. It's uh but it it's is It's definitely
2: a strategy. <laughs> he's doing a strategy. I don't know if it makes you look good or like a lunatic, <laughs> but uh he is definitely sending them his track. I just feel like I mean, there's the like thing
0: is there's like Philly Pittsburgh beef, right? If he had picked a a multipolar battle and been like we're going to send Mm-mm. the trash to... And then he puts his hand behind his ear like a wrestler. Pittsburgh! Everyone would be like, yeah! <laughs> Fuck that place! But, uh, You're going to need a new bridge to hold all the trash! <laughs> just like the black neighborhood adjacent to you is... That's so unlikable.
3: Yeah, or or just New Jersey. It's close to New Jersey. Everybody would be cheering for that. The thing is... Uh, probably most candidates on the stage are going to do the same exact thing, which is continue sending the trash to Chester. But he's the only one who's like willing to say it because he is <laughs> right. Like it's got to go somewhere, but you should work out like a situation with the other cities nearby that everybody can live with, uh, and they're just not doing that. Um, and you know, it sounds like they're going to continue. Uh, it is an interesting race. There is a progressive. Uh, Helen Gim, who's running uh, city councilor. She's not like a socialist, but she is, um, you know, part of this new trend of mayors who are not in the pocket of developers and police unions, which is like a pretty new thing in modern American history. Um, But she is now behind Rebecca Reinhart, who is known uh, I think Mindy Iser pointed this out she's the Elizabeth Warren of this race she was like the comptroller who's like a big data wonk and is kind of uh, you know on in between the moderate and progressive uh, wing of the party so uh, she's in the lead right now but Helen Gimm could could pull it out maybe and uh, she's yeah backed by teachers unions and would would make things interesting in in Philadelphia um, it is interesting to see how many elected officials in this case are like, not sure what to do about the fact that uh, Larry Krasner is is in office because they're all like really eager to dump on him as uh, DA. Like, oh, he hasn't kept us safe. He's doing a bad job. But then they they have like this kind of double take because they remember, oh yeah, he was elected and reelected overwhelmingly. So clearly, there's some popular. There's like people are okay with what he's doing to some extent. So they kind of have to like keep that in mind, but. There were some of them, like Jeff Brown, who are just running uh, uh, very much a, you know, um, steel-toed boot trash campaign. based
0: and, campaign strategy. Yeah.
3: Littering on other people.
2: Right. Trash and soil fascism.
3: <laughs> Damn. Yeah, but we'll keep... I mean, he, he, there's something better he could have said there, right? He could have said, well, find a private... Market-based solution. We'll find a city that wants the trash. That's like, yes, so, build a landfill here. Look, you're a
0: performer, you know. You have to improvise on stage sometimes. Sometimes you just paint yourself into a quarter. Yeah.
3: Yeah, just ask the
2: interviewer where she's from for a while. Yeah. Change the subject. Oh, ask who's dating.
0: <laughs> look at this guy's shirt, you know.
2: Oh, your sister's? Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna dump my trash on them. <laughs> yeah, it always comes back to the closer, though. I fucking uh,
0: I saw Eric Andre do that once. Like literally, pick up like, trash. a trash can and dump it on one guy at a show. It's pretty cool. Was the guy in on it? No.
2: <laughs> was he named? Was his name Chester?
0: Yeah, his name was Chester. It was really weird. Weird coincidence.
2: It's unbelievable. He was like, sometimes life. What are you gonna do? I'm the city of Philadelphia, and I'm Eric Andre. (laughs) So, Anders, what what is drawing you to Philadelphia's elections right now?
3: I mean, it's more, it's it's, you know, the possibility, again, of just a mayor who's not bought off by the usual suspects and, you know, is going to possibly shake things up and we would now, if she wins, have, I guess, three mayors like that with uh, Brandon Johnson, Michelle Wu, and No Helen Gim, you know, again, not where I am or we are politically, but like definitely a a major change in in urban politics in America, Uh, because, yeah, we've had, you know, I feel like de Blasio got a lot of people's wires crossed because he was talking like that. But if you followed the money, he was never actually serious about taking on the one percent. So, yeah, it's exciting, I think. And and also with uh, this. Seth uh anderson oberman race maybe they'll have a municipal government that's um you know working on be behalf of the people which is like yeah not something we've seen in a while in the united states
0: well i can't wait um if you're one of our listeners who hates the electoral stuff um sorry we're gonna keep talking
2: about it. It can't all be Harry Belafonte <laughs> all the time. He's, there's only ten facts about him. He's dead. <laughs> I don't know. And he's dead now, so that means there's no new facts coming out. I don't. Know. He was
3: also uh, an electoral. Like he supported the Kennedy's, supported Bernie Sanders. I guess that's what I'm
0: getting at. I'm still. I'm thinking about. Uh, I I just inserted that in there completely out of my own brain because I was. Still so thinking about an argument I got in with someone on Instagram yesterday, which is you're not supposed to argue on Instagram. But um, I don't know if you know you could do that. Yeah, I can argue. Do you anywhere. just
2: post pictures of you looking mad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> be
0: really cool, actually. <laughs> um, I
2: don't know. I was talking to somebody
0: about AOC and just how like reductive all of the anti-AOC from the left shit online is because it's like, uh, I there are like reasons to critique all of these people definitely her included i just don't really hear them from people what i hear from people on our side is fruad squad which is like when you spell the word fraud with the u and the a backwards for some reason and then just like photos damn, of damn that's
2: just aesthetically really hard to deal with <laughs> <laughs> just like on fire and shit and it's all
0: oh, this fucking bitch um, is mask off right now? Is you know, what the, she sold me out. Um, she sold me out. When in reality, it's like the you know, that path naturally comes with all these like uh, uh, compromises and and like what do you call them trade offs and shit that you have to make to do it. I think, which is why it sucks. I don't think we have a situation where we get politicians in and they they were like I have now will betray the the DSA
3: you know. Yeah, but and it it also doesn't happen on like a linear path. Like there's, there's you know things she's done that suck uh and you know the way Twitter makes it look and it's 90% of it is just based on like things she said or pictures or you know pictures of her being cringe. Uh, and it looks like it's going in this linear line. Like, oh, she's slightly becoming more and more centrist. Like, she's moving all the way to the right. But really, it's like she'll do a cringe thing one day and then a base thing the next day and then, like, bounce back and forth. Like all politicians do uh, on the left. You know, like Bernie Sanders, you know, voted for bombing Bosnia and then was a, you know, steadfast opponent of the Iraq war, like Harry Belafonte. Uh Like, it's... It, co-optation does not happen in a linear line. Like, these people go back and forth, and if you have, uh, and this is another thing Belafonte brought up in one of his interviews, like, we, if, you know, back in 2011, he was saying, like, we haven't provided a reason for Obama to evince, uh, you know, a a program for poor people in America. Like, the the movement does not exist, and so until that happens, um, you know, politicians are going to get pulled in the in the other direction and you know there there are people like aoc who i think are on our side but like that's that's they're going to be very limited in what they can do without like a strong movement i mean i'm yeah i mean it's it's pablum for me to say that at this point but it's it remains true i think it's like like that's the
0: fundamental situation that those politicians are in and which is if we could just hold out a whisper of a hope that hopefully they kind of have a conscience and do the right thing because they're not held accountable by us in any way the way that they're held accountable by capital as all politicians are so you know it's this is why i just like don't pay that much like attention to electoral politics because it seems like it's inherently such a waste but i what i do pay attention to is the internet and propaganda and shit like that and i guess What's bothering me is like uh, the <clears throat> like the continuous pipeline of content that seems hell bent on agitating people in a simply libidinal fashion, a la Fox News, making your grandpa angry. I'm seeing it reconstitute reconstitute itself towards people who have a casual social media diet that is at this point something that is because of the overton window openly acceptable which is like anti-capitalism and communism and stuff you know you can be like a normal hipster ass person with uh hammer sickle emojis and stuff going on but then like you're just not thinking critically about any of this stuff you're just because like someone is just feeding you stuff that makes you antagonize individual actors which is not critical thinking like it's just it's not there, leftist shit
3: we're supposed to be and smart just, and there's also just no incentive on social media for basically anyone at this point and this is you know is like maybe seems more true than it is based on our like sort of milieu and social circles and what we follow online but like there's very little incentive to post for instance AOC casting good votes or doing good things like that doesn't you seem like a simp if you post it. Right, everyone just calls Bye. you a lib. <laughs>
2: right. You, you so to, everyone says like, you're trying to be her new boyfriend because <laughs> her boyfriend he he looks like Anders and like what the hell? <laughs> he do be That could be you, like but you're playing. Yeah, he's steal stole Anders' look and so you think you can steal her away from him but you can't.
3: Right. You can't do but it. But there's Anders. like if literally the only thing you see is her being cringe and po casting bad votes, which she has done, but that, I mean, the reality is, though, that's a minority of her record, uh, but if that's all you see, then, yeah, that's going to create a a false perception uh, of something that's actually a lot more complex, and you have to actually engage with and figure out, and not just like cast aside and abstain from and yeah i mean this is old news but i guess the thing that i was i want to get your take on this
0: Anders. i talked about i talked about it with you when it happened and uh i'm curious if you've changed your opinion at all but like the rail strike thing from the winter uh it seemed like everyone online was just frothing at the mouth about the fact that she supposedly voted against uh the unions and like strike busted but the story actually if you look into it is that she like followed uh the the direction of union leadership which was to pass the bill up to the senate which is not good it's still it's a bad strategy and you should probably be figuring out a way to follow the rank and file instead of the leaders but like i just feel like if she had done that and the story would then be she went against the unions because she went against the union leadership or something
3: Yeah, so that's what I thought at first. But it turns out that, like, so RWU uh, came up with the strategy with Jamal Bowman. And RWU, that's not even union leadership. That's a rank-and-file caucus of militant rail workers, and they devised this strategy with Bowman. Now, there are some rail workers who were not happy with it, and uh, I think we should be honest about that. And it's hard to get, like, a clear concise version of like what should have happened, what a majority of them wanted. But like the fact is there was no other voice from an organized element in DSA or anywhere else that was saying to these people, vote no on this specific uh, bill. I mean, I don't, I mean, DSA at least was not, was not saying vote no, vote no, vote no. So it's, it's to come in after the fact and being like, you should have known this intuitively. Uh, I think is, a un, you know just confuses the situation and and you know I think uh, yeah I don't know I don't know what the right answer is because it's like you have just bad options here but well that's like, what I'm saying is I, there are nothing but bad
0: options and the the yeah. narrative that's being put out on like you know dank meme internet is like the 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 reason that she did that is because she's secretly a supervillain or whatever right. <laughs> you know it was like rubbing her hands and stuff and it was like I tricked my constituency uh, but actually I want to vote against their interests and it just seems like it's way more complex bullshit that happens in the world of politics
3: you know like it, it's probably like a
0: confused situation or whatever
3: I don't know yeah, well, I, I agree with what uh, Max Alvarez said when he came on the show. It's like, that's Washington sort of inside, you know, that's the outcome of a an on-the-ground, like, organized militant strategy. It's the, like, that's what the focus should be. And, you know, what happens in Washington is like, you know, how how to the extent that they can get something good is going to depend on the the kind of organization you have on the outside and, like, it's you know who who really gives a shit unless they're completely doing what Biden did which was a uh, just a gross capitulation uh, you know they're kind of grasping at straws for like the best possible thing and in this case like I don't I, it's probably what Rashida Talib did but like it's it's also like a lot harder to actually fa- look that in the face and say okay next time how do we have like a coordinated uh, response and strategy instead of just like throwing the baby out with the bath water. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, although you can throw a baby out with the bath water on our new platform of banning daycare <laughs> in our anti-baby agenda. Yeah.
0: Fair. Okay. So, well, that wraps it all up, I think, is uh, yeah, That's the that's what we need as a political strategy, and that's how we win mayorships. Right? anti-baby. The city level, people love cops, but the, more than they love cops, they hate babies. So, mm. that's how the left manages to not just do these little city council races, but take the whole bag, is next time around, I am running for mayor of New York City on an anti-baby ticket and pro-rat. I'm taking back the rats from Eric Adams.
2: Oh, okay. Replace babies with rats. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that would be so 2024. (laughs) Squeak, squeak, squeak. (laughs) Big fat rat. We need a baby czar. Much quieter, folks. Much quieter. They got little paws. Uh, Yeah. Little paws sneaking around your house.
0: You know, Lenin said something about rats. (laughs) I don't know.
2: All right. You know what? Let's Google Lenin rats (laughs) as we round out here.
0: He probably said something about rats. That seems like an image that was in high use around his time. Come on, um, come I, on, <laughs> I think that's
3: it I'm gonna talk about rat r- rasputin a rat? <laughs> yeah I don't know rats ratputin talk about rat sputin. <laughs>
0: i'm gonna start the plug process, and hopefully by the time we get back around to rat man attack, something will have come up
2: I'm not finding anything I'm fucking <laughs> fucked right now. <laughs> It's going to ruin my career. I will be performing at the
0: Velveeta Room in Austin, Texas next month, uh, May 26th, 27th at the uh, Velveeta Room. I already said that. Uh, shows are t- Tickets are available on their website. Uh, come on out. It'll be a good time. It's my hometown. I love going back to Austin, even though I will be mere feet from the Joe Rogan, you can't bring your cell phone in comedy club, which I will not be attending, I don't think, unless I decide it's funny to go in there. Um, that's pretty much all I got coming up. Anybody else?
2: Okay, we got a big plug for this week, but I should say what I found Googling Lenin rats, in quotes rats, is an important word that needs to be in it. Uh, no quotes from him, but I have found a very poignant anti lenin Uh, poster from 1921 written by a uh, kind of a smarmy defector here and it's him as a spider which is just his head with eight legs (laughs) Mm. and he has a bloody knife in his mouth in a web and he's uh he's got rats that say things like the deficit and famine on them that's really cool and (laughs) and the rats They appear to be loading the books into a bookshelf. I don't really understand what the rats are doing, but the point is that the rats are working with him and he's a spider.
0: I love it. I'm going to get a tattoo of it. Except the rats... If you
2: enjoy that...
0: They're just going to have your names on them.
2: Oh. Damn it. Um, If you enjoy that, you simply must attend this Thursday, uh, May 6th. The one and only... No? May... Is it not the third May 4th. Oh, because it's May the... Uh, Yep, I was looking at the April 6th one. I'm sorry. I had my calendar open the wrong way. May the 4th. uh, (laughs) On Star Wars Day, we are having another paid protest at the one and only Silo Dance Rave House uh, in Bushwick. If you live in North Brooklyn, you got to come to these. These are hot live comedy events. Anders Lee will be there performing live. Oh, my
3: God. Yep, you can come yell at me uh, about AOC. You can also see uh, Brittany Carney, M- Amanda Melhuish, uh, Kevin O'Brien, Lizzie Martinez, uh, a lot of funny people. Oh, my friends from Clown School, uh, Business Casual, <laughs> will be making an appearance there. It's going to be a shit ton of fun. So come check that shit out. All right. Uh, and we'll uh, link, we'll do, put the link in the description.
2: Is it finished? Un- until next time, shake, senora.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll play the song uh, on the way out until uh, just a short amount, until copyright infringement robot shows up.
2: It's a legal amount.
0: It's finished, shake, senora.
2: It's finished, senora.
3: Work, 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 Sonora, work your body line. Work, 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 Sonora,
1: work it all the time. My girl's name is Sonora, I tell you friends I adore her. And when she dances, oh brother, she's a hurricane in all kinds
2: of weather. Jump in the line, rock your body on time. Okay.